Another massive episode of the Almost Made It podcast coming right at you. This week we had on ex-A-League footballer Jake Bakadesh. We spoke about his A-League debut, how he transitioned from footballing life into everyday life, and also how he marked Alessandro Del Piero. Let's jump straight in. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Almost Made It podcast, proudly brought to you by Cultural Club. Another big, big guest this week. Uh, we have an ex-A-League player for Adelaide United and the Gold Coast United. I don't know if anyone remembers them, but yeah, they were what around. The fuck? What were they? <laughs> <laughs> he uh, represented the country at under-20 and under-23 level, had a stint playing in Europe, which we'll get into. And last and not least, a bit of a, an inspiration for us with his podcast, oh, that's cool. the host-creator of the Unlaced Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Jake Barker Daesh. What's going on? Hey, babe. Thanks for the intro, boys. Well, good. That's an inspiration. That's cool. Yeah, man. I didn't know that. Well, we want to be where you are, man. Nah, fuck no. I remember we were watching your podcast ages ago. Oh, really? Well, like, this is cool. Like, yeah. Because we sort of like- we knew, remember, we remember from the A-League and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, how long have you guys been in the podcast game then? Jeez, oh. if we really, really want to talk about our first ever show, I think we started in 2019, yeah. but it oh. was- Dog shit. It was more uh, <laughs> results-based fucking, you know, one of those top things. It was all like steady yeah. ass sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 I reckon there should be more pods like that though now. Do you reckon? Yeah, I'm tinkering. Oh, fuck, probably should say it. I've been tinkering, <laughs> with the, tinkering with the idea of just having a specific football hot take podcast because mm. I think it's interesting. Like, it, uh, only reason why is because you watch people in England who've never, some of them never played football, right. but they're hot takes and they're, they're fucking legends, man. They, some of them are like, Millionaires yeah. just from having an opinion, yeah. true, like that Mark Goldbridge guy is a man you yeah, fan. Yeah, just man you guy. The, how the fuck is that <laughs> guy famous? Know. So, know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it almost makes you angry sometimes. Like yeah. Some so I think yeah. there's something in that. You know, if I, maybe CDR. You should look at it. Yeah. 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 Maybe I'm we should. Thank you. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> 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 just giving it Another show away. Yeah. Just quickly, we like to ask this sometimes to guess. What's your coffee order? Uh I'm going, I've been, so I'll tell you what, it was a latte for a long time. I always tell people that I'm like, um, I'm everyone's first coffee, a mocha, like a muskin <laughs> color. Do you know what I mean? So you always try it and then yeah. if you like it, you'll stick with it or not. But yeah, yeah. then I went to a latte for years and then I spoke to a mate who's a barista and he's like, bro, why are you ordering a latte? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you may as well get a flat white because a latte is just like froth and the flat white's like pure milk and pure coffee and it's like a better combination right. and it comes out warmer as well or whatever. So I've been getting that, and then I've started. I live in, I don't know, southeast of Melbourne, rubbing off me. So I'm getting soy milk, soy flat oh, whites oh. now. So different. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about. I feel like almond milks. Not it's growing on me, but I just haven't committed nah, yet. Yeah. What oh, about you? Look, me just. You guys look classic. like short, like espresso yeah, guys, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, you guys don't fuck around. We're we're a bit of addicts, mate. When it comes to yeah. Well, you both Italian background. Yeah. Yeah. Six about six or seven a day. Fuck's sake, man! What that's. That is fucked. Bro, yeah. I have to, or else. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's not good, but I could put it into my veins, I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. All right, let's, let's start. Yeah, it. from the start, pretty well. Not from the start, but let's go into your. Bro, I'll talk whatever, man. Yeah. Into your stress. Childhood. Where'd you grow up? Yeah, How'd so you I, get into football. Yeah, well, I, I think I mean I've actually I don't know if I haven't been officially diagnosed, but I'm seeing an expert in ADHD, and she's diagnosed that I've got ADHD, which makes a lot of sense. But as a kid, I was fucking hyperactive, man. Insane. Like always with a ball playing. Like I think I was, I think I put my parents off having more kids because of how <laughs> nuts I was. Um, so I grew up in the southeast of Melbourne. We lived in like near Chadston, Hughesdale, Oakley area. Yeah. And soccer was just the first sport that you could play at the youngest age. And they tried to do that to calm my energy down mm-hmm. um, as a release. So I played my first soccer team uh, was Monash City. Right, the Monash City Raging Bulls, they were called. I think they're still around. But they used to be a powerhouse back in the day in like Super League for juniors oh, yeah. um, in the Southeast. So I, I went there and I started playing there from the age of five. Um, I mean, for like five till 10, I was shit. <laughs> so bad, bro. Like I wasn't bad, but like I was never the standout in a team. I was making up the numbers and stuff. Um, but I just had my my mum's youngest brother. So my mum's dad remarried. So she had a real younger brother. He's only seven years older than me. My uncle, he was in the Blackburn Rovers Academy. Oh, yeah. So he was kind of like a bit of an inspiration because he was training with the first team and the reserves. And this is like back in 2004, 2005, and like Lucas Neal was playing there. They yeah, were in the Premier yeah, League yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So it was like a big thing. Um, so that's when I started to catch the drug of like, you know, taking more seriously. 
when I started going to a few of the Premier League games over there. It is a drug, isn't it? it yeah. Is. Um, it's funny how that happens. I feel like that happens to everyone where like your first few years, you're just, you're watching planes fly over. Yeah, my like, dad reckons even... I played air guitar on the wing <laughs> and he was, he was going to not take me back if I didn't take it seriously. So, and, then, and then it just like the penny drops, doesn't yeah. it? Just one moment and it changes. What was that moment for you? Um, the, so my, so I, to be brutally honest, my best sports growing up were cricket and footy. No way. Like by far, yeah. I ended up getting a scholarship to a high school for both those sports, not soccer, um, which is which is crazy because I've been like 12 at the time. But the first state team I ever made was the Victorian Primary School's team for soccer. Right. So because I wasn't big enough at footy and I was still – probably a bit too small for soccer, um, uh, sorry, for cricket. Like I didn't have enough power and stuff, but I was probably technically and more gifted at those naturally. Soccer I had to like work at. But then I remember going to the first national championships in Canberra and I put up a photo of it recently, but I had in that team, we had Jamie McLaren, Jackson Irvine, Curtis Good, myself, and I don't know if you boys will know Urson Kaya as well. They're all five of us played yeah. – um, for the junior national teams, four of us played professional and three Socceroos from the same under twelves team, and we ended up we ended up winning the tournament. Um, but I just remember like thinking I was an okay player, and then going to that and like Tom Rogic was there, Terry Antonis was there. There was like three or four other players that at twelve years old, like these guys were like fuck, they could play. They were Europe ready for academies, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I remember just walking away from that, thinking like oh, I've got to improve a lot here. Mm. So. When I came back from that, that's when I started training every day, right. like by myself or with coaching or clubs and stuff. I did read that your dad was a very good cricket player, yeah? Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So was he ever like sort of trying to get you down the cricket route and then you just sort of went, no, well, yeah. I want to play football? Yeah, but I think he made me competitive, you know, because yeah. I would be on like 99 in the backyard on Christmas <laughs> Day at like the age of eight <laughs> and he would purposely bowl like a quicker ball and bowl me out and I'd end up in tears and like he wouldn't fucking care. Yeah, yeah. And I remember one specific moment, I, I didn't throw the ball back to him on the full when he was throwing balls at me in the nets and the next one, he, I've spoken about this before, he, he did a bouncer and he hit me in the head <laughs> and it knocked my, like, knocked my helmet off. I started crying. So he was real hard-edged at cricket but then with soccer, he didn't know anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he just was silent. The background <laughs> dad, you know. So yeah, he tried well, hard. He built your character. Yeah. As an well, well, I did. Person, I never, yeah. I never won. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like, we'd, even card games, I'd find him sitting on yeah. cards and stuff, like cheating to beat me. I'm like, bro, I'm not, I hadn't even hit puberty. Do you think <laughs> so? That, but do you, do you think that helped in a way? Did that make yeah, you a no, I, I thought. Yeah, I didn't realize it at the time. I just thought this guy's good at everything. Yeah. But then I got older, and I'm like, part of it was, was a weapon against myself because like I didn't handle defeat and. So like you, upsets very well. Yeah. Do you think that was like something in you and he got it out of you or he taught it to you? Because um, I'm always interested to know how people get this. No, nah, I think I think he kind of taught it to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because like, I mean, I always played sport and always like wanted to do it. But like the competitive, now it's like even if we play cards or something. Yeah. Like table tennis. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I won't sleep at night if, I, if yeah, someone's yeah, fucking whooping me or some yeah. shit. So oh, mates. Fucking hate yeah. us. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's it's interesting because a lot of people it get like it gets put into you from a young age, yeah. and it just stays with you, man. Yeah, with everything that you do. But uh, you, at the time, you think this guy's like a prick, you know, <laughs> like your coach, your dad, whatever. But then you look back now when you're older, and you're like, man, if I probably didn't go through a lot of that stuff, I'd be like a weak piece of shit, man. Yeah. And yeah. I've yeah. got through what I've got through, you know. Yeah. So it's 100%. crazy, you know what I mean? Hundred percent, bro. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even now with the podcast game, bro, it's like. Competitive, you know, <clears throat> every week you got to turn out an episode, yeah. you got to make it better. And it's like some of those things that I, know, I thought it was all sport related, but it's that's one of the benefits from mm. sport is you take that into other exactly. walks of life, you know. So, well, if you look at a lot of like business owners, they all, a lot of them, not all of them, have a sporting background. Yeah. Because they understand that mental edge, that winning mentality. Correct, man. Yeah. Um, so, you mentioned the Vic Squad, bit of a golden generation. As well, yeah. Wow, well, we didn't realize it at the time. I'll never forget that tournament as well. One of my mates, Dane Milanovic, he plays in the MPL now. His dad, uh, Milo Milanovic, is like a bit of an Australian legend, and he's like a he's a bet. I think I don't know if he coached in the NSL or whatever, but he definitely played in it. But he, one of the days we had a day off, and he came and spoke to everyone, all the state teams. And I remember him saying to us that only one from each team will make it. Mm. And, which is fucking wrong. Yeah. But at the time, but he's yeah. not not too far wrong either, yeah. right? We just had a lucky group. Yeah. So I remember just sitting there thinking like, shit, like that's like that really hit home. But um, I was like, to be honest, don't get me wrong, I worked really hard at it and I got superior at the craft at a young age. But I was lucky, man. I've made every single state team you could ever make. Every rep team you could ever make from 12 to 21, 
there wasn't a team I missed. So you, you know what I mean? would have felt like to, to be Like I, I feel like I earned it, but at the yeah, same time, sure, Jamie McLaren didn't make under 13 state team. Um, Jackson Irvine didn't make any other state team from like 12 after yeah. the age of 12. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of stories of guys that didn't make stuff, but I was just one of those ones that I just kept getting picked. So, um, yeah, yeah I've got, like, I was lucky in that sense. I had quite an elite sort of junior youth youth career. Mm. Did you go from the AOS, then go from there into the AOS that helped you then pop well, into the A-League? Yeah, or so, how it sort of well, yeah, it kind of. It was – I can't remember how I got picked for the VIS – but the VIS, so the VIS when I went there was like fuck, an unbelievable team. There was eight of the eight of the players in the Joeys played in the VIS in Victoria. Yeah. We had a J- James Jago, yeah. Peter Franjic, Kamal Ibrahim, Tedros yeah. Yabio, Dado, Lokvancic, Bailey Wright, um, who played heaps of times for the Socceroos. There was all these guys in the in the VIS, and they were the middle age. And then above them, they had like like six or seven players that were top top quality. But I just got picked in there as a fourteen year old on a training scholarship. Mm-hmm. I can't remember how it happened, but I remember it being a big deal because I was the only one in my age group. Yeah, yeah. So what that meant was is they all played back then in the MPL, AIS used to play in the seniors. That's right. And then the VIS used to be their reserve team. So I would train uh, with Ian Green, I was the coach, and Mehmet Jurakovic. I, I would train with them all week and then I'd go play for a team on the weekend. But because I was training, I was 14, but because they were playing under 21s and at 14, 15, I played under 15s when I was, I think, 14. So I went into VIS at 15. And um, yeah, my, my dad just took me to an under-21 team and I, I played for Altona Magic yeah, yeah. under-21s for half a season, um, really. So that's what I did. And then eventually it went into a full scholarship. But from to answer your question, it was the under-15s Nationals Carnival. That's, what um, that's where yeah. they picked. That's what, I, well, that's what I found out when I went there. Um, but I always say this, I didn't play that well at that carnival. We didn't because we had like one of the best teams, at least we thought, but we lost to Tasmania 1-0 in a game. We came fifth or sixth. It was really yeah. bad. We just had one of those just yeah, bad yeah. days, you know? Yeah, but, um, I think because they saw me play for the VIS before them every week and I had some pretty good games and I was young, um, that, that helped my selection. How'd you go playing with the 21s? At- Bro, well, I did pretty well, yeah. um, I, now I look back and I don't know how I did it because yeah. if it, if I was like fourteen year old played against me at twenty one I'd like, destroy yeah. them. But yeah, I remember yeah, I scored yeah. I scored goals and stuff. So yeah. um, body wise, you were sweet. Could, yeah, just because yeah. I I grew like kind of well, not as tall now, but I grew quicker. Mm. So I was a little bit taller and a little bit stronger, but still a kid, man. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I ended up doing okay. But I dropped. There's a story. I, I dropped back to the under fifteens one week. Because they were playing in the Manchester United Cup. Oh man, yeah. Because I don't know if you boys know this. I have to tell everyone. It's my one of my claim to fame. Yeah. But I had an unbelievable tournament at this this thing. We played like Green Gully, scored a few goals in the final. Like the boys there were legends, but we didn't have the we didn't have a great team. They had like six state players, but the senior coach was there that day. Um, I forget what his name is, Vlad or Tortevsky maybe, or um, but he saw the game and he picked me in the seniors that week. So I played 10 minutes. I played MPL, my MPL seniors debut at 14. And at the time, I was the youngest player ever. And then straight from that game, the next morning, the VIS called me and said, you're not going back there. You're going to be on a full scholarship. So that's when it all changed after that. that It was uh, the Manchester Cup for us too that sort of changed our careers a bit. Oh, yeah? Yeah, man. And it's sad that. Is it not around? I don't think they do it anymore. Bro. No one talks about it anymore. That was the best, man. That was fuck. I remember thinking, like, I played out of my skin as well because I, like, I went for Man U. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to go. But it was a big deal, man. I remember those nights. We played it at Darabin. Yeah, Darabin. Yeah, that's where we played it. Man, the crowds. and It was nice. It was I remember Fabio and Raphael, I think the twins at United, that's how they got seen. Oh, did they? Playing in the Man United Cup in the South American Um. Do you know, yeah. speaking of that, you know what people forget about? Tom Rogic was nowhere and then went into some Nike academy. That's right. That's right. That's and got picked right. for yeah. Celtic or something. Yeah, that's like right. he was, fuck, as great as players he was, he, the, the way he got into yeah, the system so is one in a billion. Yeah, Not crazy. one in a million, one right. in a billion. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty yeah, special. Yeah. What was, because I know, see, this is another thing. They've gotten rid of the, the football program at AIS. Mm. How good was that? Fuck, it's the best. Uh, that was the, so I had offers to go to... Um, a couple of Premier League clubs and uh, Celtic, not like con- contract offers, but like they were speaking to mm. people in and around my family or whatever. And the pretty much was like, we'll have him at 14, 15. Um, 
if like his family can come live over here or he can live with someone because I'm too young to live on residence yeah. or digs. Mm-hmm. But then the AIS came in and for like the, <clears throat> the AIS at the time had produced like 60% of the golden generation of Socceroos. Mm. So maybe more, do you know, I think it was just Harry Kuhl and Cahill didn't really go. Everyone else kind of did. Mm. Um, so when I went there, it was like, it was the best feeling ever because like you walk to the training ground, you're walking like on the Mark Viduka walk, going to training and stuff and all this like really cool shit. And I just think for, at the time we had as much criticism as he copped, Jan Verslein, I think he was one of the best youth coaches in the world. Like, because if you look at the amount of players that went through the AIS to that turned to professionals, the percentage is so high. Yeah. He just had one bad national tournament and they sacked him. But bringing all the best players in the one environment with a great coach, like, I can't see how that can hurt the national team. Like, since, like, you know, if you look at the system we've had, that generation, we've gone to five World Cups. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what's going to be interesting for me now is, one, the quality of coaching is going to be thinned thinned out because – a lot of them are local coaches, which is great, but you're also, you know, spreading out the talent pool now. Mm. So obviously training with better players every single day is going to make you better. Exactly. So what, what, I don't know what's going to happen with that. What year were you born? 93. 93. So I reckon- so I should be in the, t- I should be in the 12th year of my career. I've been retired for like nine. Yeah, we'll get it. <laughs> which is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't look at it nah. like that. No, but it's just, I mean, man, I'm over it, but that's yeah. just funny because yeah. people, people like, I'm, yeah, I'm still th- I just turned 30, really. Yeah. So, so it's funny because we're 96 born, right? right? And I think the only guy that came out of our generation that we can say actually really made it, and Aiden. even then, yeah, Aiden, Aiden Hustich. Oh, man, he's a fuck. He's yeah, a, but he was the only one, but. You know, did he go overseas, young? Well, that's what we all yeah. had to do. We all had to leave because the AIS was go. gone. Well, oh, you know, was there? Was nothing, there was really nothing. There was talks with us. Remember with with Alan, with Alan Davidson, Is that right? Yeah, and yeah. there was the AIS. There was like Gary Van Egmond was there was and a, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah Gary Van Egmond. Because then he was like, then he went to Newcastle. Yeah, and then it was but at not, that period of sort of phasing yeah. out. Yeah. Right. And then we just he went to yeah. Newcastle the night that he was supposed to come watch us play NTC. Oh, really? Oh, so you guys were ballers. Oh, back in the day. Oh, right. A long time ago. Mate, Dutchie, yeah, he was one of my coaches. Fucking, I I loved him, but a lot of people, it was love or hate with him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I I had a good relationship with him, but he'd still like, he'd still hammer me. Like, no tomorrow. He was was old school. But um, he was just a good guy. So what was the day at the AIS like? Um... Well, so for because we were well, let me tell you why. Do you know why the program's done? No. Well, so not really, I, I look, it may be a, a bit of a football Australia decision, mm. but like fundamentally, the AIS was created to win gold medals. Like so, the the government oh. got funding. It was either in the late eighties or the seventies. I don't know what Olympics. So don't shoot me. But we didn't win a gold medal as a nation. Mm-hmm. So I think it was Bob Hawke, whoever the prime minister was at the time, was like, "That's fucked." So they invented the Australian Institute of Sport. Like we're going to train all our best athletes in like the best facilities and we're going to try to win gold medals. Um, and obviously the soccer was used as a development program. Right. And we had 23 boys there. Um, it's probably like a 100K scholarship, right, per year. So they're spending a lot of money on a team that's not really focusing on winning gold medals at the Olympics. We're trying to create the next generation of soccerers. So commercially didn't make sense and it went against the grain of what they did. And also we were little shits because we were like 14, 15, bro. And it's like, yeah, there's Olympians there that have won gold medals, like that are 25, using it as like they're going to bed early and stuff and we're up playing PlayStation, screaming at each other, you know. (laughs) So, and then I think the Football Australia thing was like, we want to go more to like the European model of having like academies and stuff, which I get. But at the end of the day, the reason why I like the AS is, bro, we don't have a big population for one. Even though we have a high, partici- high participation rate in junior soccer, like w- the talent pool is spread out between four or five different sports and mm-hmm. soccer is like third or fourth down the pecking order. Exactly. So I think it's for us, we have to look at it a bit differently. But um, yeah, I, don't, I forgot what your question was. Sorry, I went, <laughs> went on a rant there. <laughs> no, it was just like, what would a typical day at the AIS Oh, yeah. Look so, like? but, yeah, because we were so young, we were still in school. Okay. So we. <laughs> We went to this school, Lake Ginandera, rough as fuck, man. Really? Yeah, and we all we all had a target on our back because we were like So they put you in just a normal school, just public school, bro. No like way. like which nothing wrong with the public school. I came from no, a no. private school in yeah. Melbourne. But this this was like like if there was a layer below a public school, it's that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. I walked up to class one day and I was five minutes late because our school bus from the AIS was late and I walked into the class and there was like no chair there. So like for me to sit on, I was like, oh, like, what do you want me to do? He's like, oh, go next door, grab a chair. So I go next door to look for a chair. I go, there's no chair in there. Come back. He goes, ah, don't worry about it. 
And I just walked out and went back to went back to AIS. Like it was one of those schools. No one gave a yeah, shit. No one cared, yeah. But so we would wake up. Uh, we would gym at six thirty, which was tough in Canberra, especially the winter because it, it gets really cold. There. It mm. gets really hot, but really really cold. Um, then we would we would come back for lunch. Like you would go off your classes, you could come back maybe for an hour or two, but you'd go back and spend a whole day there. And then we train in the afternoon. So we do two sessions a day, and then usually. Um, a couple nights a week, so maybe four nights a week, depending if you were going for like a, a VCE type score or you just wanted oh, yeah. to like get your name ticked off and get a yeah. certificate, you finish school, you would go to study hall from seven to nine, um, two nights a week or four nights a week. Was there anyone there? <laughs> yeah, we had, we was compo- like if you didn't do it, you wouldn't yeah, play yeah. type right, stuff. Right. Like okay. it was a fucking disciplined camp. Yeah, 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 but yeah. the th- thing why it was quite tough is as fun as it was with all the boys, like if I wanted to go out, um, I would have to like sign out. Sign in and out. So it was like, you know, it was, you had no social life yeah. for like a couple of years, which was the yeah. tough part. Yeah, definitely. Did you just play games there? Like on the weekend? So we played in the youth league. Oh, so in Canberra. Yeah. So we were, no, no, we played in oh, the national you youth league. Traveled. You know, yeah. So we played oh, in the A League so youth league. So well. we played like yeah, yeah, Sydney yeah, FC, yeah. Brisbane. Yeah. yeah so, so we were, we're in a national back, comp. Yeah. yeah we go to Perth, but our home ground was obviously in Canberra. So it was a good comp for us because we were under 21 comp and we were 15 to 17, you know? So. Um, yeah, that was that was what it was. So from there, would you say there was like a bit of a defining moment for you when you really thought, yeah, like obviously AIS, yeah, you're up here. But was there really a moment for you but like, all right, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life? Um, I'd already had that moment before I went to the AIS, probably like when I was in Victoria, but I had a penny drop moment at the AIS in my second year. So my first year, I did quite well, but I would say I was in the bottom half players of like talent. Like there was the age group above that was – Crazy good. Um, fuck, who can I reel off some names of? Um, Brennan Hamill, Trent Sainsbury. Yeah. Um, who else really went on? There was a few. Lawrence Thomas, he's a soccer goalkeeper now. Mm-hmm. Um, Karim Bullet, he would he oh, yeah. went to jail, but he was a fucking bro, unbelievable, <laughs> football, unbelievable footballer. Yeah, yeah he was special. Um, and then in my age group, we had like Mustafa Amini, Terry Antonis, oh, yeah. um, Adam Taggart. Mm-hmm. Curtis Good, we had a, we had a lot of good players. I'm probably forgetting some, so I apologize. Jason Guerrier, um, but yeah, the second year it was like fuck. I now I've got to step up and have a big year because like I've got to get in the A League. And I remember the f- two out of the first three games of the season, um, the coach dragged me at halftime. Gary Van Egmont dragged me at halftime. I just remember thinking, fuck, like this isn't good. Like sometimes it wasn't like maybe it was a little bit short of fitness, but it was like I think the second time I probably made like two or three mistakes in a row. That was it. It just dragged me. And I lost my head. I was like, didn't even shake his hand. I was like pissed off. Yeah. But that moment there, then I trained, I started doing, I started training every day by myself at the IAS. I'd do that outside of school because that second year I didn't have to go to school. I had enough points to like bludge out of it essentially, yeah, yeah, which yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah. <clears throat> my last three, year, three years of school, I did over one. Um, but yeah, so I'd train every day there and I just improved my fitness and my touch. And then gradually over the season, um, I think that, getting dragged that those two games sort of changed my mentality to how I need to prepare for games. So at the end of your AIS, say, tenure, mm. is it they always try and get you to an A-League system or do you have that option to… Well, you're probably already signed. Yeah, yeah, So right. I got signed to Gold Coast with like 12 games to go in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Mustafa Amini and Terry Antonis were signed before the season even started. Yeah. So, so Musti actually played a season in the A-League um, already, like when we were playing in the Youth League. Right. For Central Coast, so um, some some did, yeah. They would always definitely try help you for sure, mm-hmm. but some would naturally because you're playing the youth league, and also for a club, if you want young talent, you just look at the AIS because yeah, yeah, that's yeah, where the best course. is, right? Yeah. So you're in the shop window. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's typically how it would work. And then how was that moment for you? That A League uh, contract? Uh, I mean, fuck, pretty special, right? But there was a couple of things that when I look back, it's interesting. So my goal was to always come back to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. play for victory because uh, I went for them as a kid like when the A-League probably like you guys the A-League started I was I was just getting into football like yeah, seriously yeah. so I was always a victory fan and we played the victory youth league one day at Amy Park and Ernie Merrick was the coach still and we were told like I, was, I got told he's coming to watch you so I was like fuck it but have a good game I did I scored a penalty I set up a goal and we beat them 4-2 and they had like some senior players drop down they had a way older team than us and we smashed them and then they, I got a call after saying that they want to offer me a trial um, and then I played Gold Coast, uh, I think a week later and Miron, uh, Bleiberg was there 
uh, and Mike Mulvey at the t- I think Mike Mulvey was one of the best youth coaches in Australia. Like Gold Coast, I don't know if you remember, they went back to back in the youth league. Yeah, yeah. Winning it. So they were the best team. Um, but I had a good game against him and scored. And then the next day, Gold Coast contract offer. So it was like, go on trial or do you take an offer? And my coach, Yanni, goes, you go where you wanted. So like he endorsed going to Gold Coast. And at the time, Gold Coast had Jason Chalina, Shane Smeltz. They they started getting crowds at Gold Coast. I was watching Gold Coast. It was like a fucking good team. And then within five weeks of me signing, all of them started leaving, Um, which it wasn't a bad thing because I thought, oh, you know, I'll get opportunity. But I didn't realize the club uh, lack of stability, which is partially why love to point a few fingers at other people around me that I would think should have known better at the time. But, well, what happened? Um, what? Well, they just fucking, one, no fans were turning up mm-hmm. when I turned up, which is a massive problem. I mean, even still some of the teams now, but at yeah. least at least they've got a bit more DNA and history in the league. Yeah. Like Gold Coast didn't have any fans and then you know, whether people liked it or not, Cl- Clyde Palmer was making a lot of noise, bro. A lot of noise that the league that the league didn't like. Yeah. Um, like you put, you know, I've said this, I think I said this, on the podcast I did about this, like talking about my career, but he put these freedom of speech signs over our sponsors once just to have a goal at the A-League. So they, they revoked the license um, off him. So there was no club. That was the end. That's yeah, that basically was, the, was it the mice? Yeah, the so mice. Yeah, 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 well, I think so. Yeah. Like he was trying well, to build. It makes sense, man. Yeah. Al- allegedly, he yeah. was trying to build a Rebel A-League. So. Because yeah. he wanted <laughs> control, basically. Yeah, well, yeah. just, yeah, he wanted to have yeah. influence. And it's, the, the thing that like still pisses me off to this day is that Boys work their asses off to get there. Yeah. And you get a moneymaker that allegedly is doing stupid shit. Yeah, you don't play And, that. you know, yeah. allegedly fucks people's careers. So, is it how long did they actually exist for, Gold Coast? Uh, I think three or four years. Were you there? I was just there for the – I had a two-year contract, but I played end. one season. And then they, they went under? <clears throat> yeah, then they went under. And then that's when you got your move to Adelaide? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, correct. Did you, uh, did you come across him at all? Yeah, w- once or twice, man. When when you're dealing with him, particularly because you played for his team, like he was, he was a great guy. Yeah, yeah there's the, a funny story. He, he, I think, I don't know where he was at, you know, with what was going on, but from what I was told, Stephen Lustiger, they had a preseason game against Fulham, and apparently Lustiger played unbelievable. He still plays in the league today, yeah. Stevie. Yeah, good guy. But he he had a great game, and I don't know if this is true, but this is what they told me. But Clyde Palmer thought it was another boy called Mitch Bevan. So, and Mitch Bevan was a great player, but his, and I think he would admit this, his appetite to be a pro football and his love for the game was not there at the top level. Like, it, it just didn't suit him. Yeah, like, he yeah. just wanted to be a chill yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, guy. Yeah. He was a bit artsy. Very talented, though. But Clive used to endorse, like, Mitch Bevan playing in the first team because he thought he had this worldy game against Fulham. And apparently it wasn't him. him. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Shit like that was happening. So he was like, Bevo was in the youth league, but he was making sure that he would start some games. When I first joined and I wasn't getting a game, he was making sure he would start in the first team and stuff. You know, so shit like that was yeah. going down. Like, yeah. it, you know, it it's just makes you down. like, yeah. you lose your head a bit because you're like, what the fuck? You can't even compete here. Um, but it was, look, man, I made a lot of great friendships. Working with Mike Mulvey was amazing. When Miron got sacked, that's when I got my A-League debut and I played like the last eight or nine games of the season. So... I got a taste for the league, which was which mm. was obviously what I went there for. Just a quick break in between our episode. If you're wondering where you can buy all this unbelievable merch from, where can you get it from, Matty? So you can get it from our website at cultureclub.com.au. Use the code AMY15 to get yourself 15% off. Now let's get straight back into the episode. So then once the club went... Under, obviously you chose Adelaide, but were there a few clubs knocking on the door? Or? Yeah, so Melbourne Victory was the one that that came in. Um, I don't know, do you guys remember Jim Magilton? Yeah. He was a Scottish bloke? Yeah, English or something, yeah, but he yeah, was, yeah. so when Harry Kuehl was at yeah. Victory, um, he was the coach um, and he wanted to sign me because I had a good game against him and then he got sacked. And so we were kind of waiting out, hoping like we could still go to Victory because there's obviously the people around the club are still there. It's just mm. not the coach. But it, it took forever for them because they had to wait till the season finished for to get Ange because right. Ange, I think, was still at Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I had an offer from Adelaide and I just like had to take it because I couldn't say wait because I want to go to your rivals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I ended up taking the offer to Adelaide. And Adelaide, to be fair for me, it was like a bit of a no-brainer. It was a stable club. The team they had at the time was fucking, you know, Dario Vidicic, John McCain, Bruce Gitte, Cassio, uh, Nigel Bogard. Like it was just... Ian Ramsey, they had a really good team. Eugene Galekovic, 
So it was like a good club, stable club. It was everything at the time I was just craving after the Gold Coast experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was, I know we'll get into this maybe a bit later actually, but best player you probably played with in Adelaide? Uh, Marcelo Karuska. Yeah. yeah I was well, the same But do you know what? <laughs> the person, like Karuska was like, you can see why he played for like Galatasaray and played in the Argentina under 20 team, which like think of, Think of making the Argentinian under, like I made the Australian under 20 team for a World Cup team, which was huge. Imagine making it for Argentina or Brazil. Jeez. Do you know what I mean? They've yeah. got like a billion, like a, well, millions and millions of people vying for that team, it feels like. Mm. And so, and he was in that team with Tevez and Mascherano. So he was like the most gifted footballer or one of the most talented footballers that on, when you played with him on a big, like sort of the biggest stages of the A-League games or the rival games, he would just, like, he would still like he was playing in his backyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, you take admiration out of that because they're the most pressure games and he doesn't change. Definitely. But probably the player that I, I loved and learned the most of and fucking was in awe of, um, like, I, I used to follow him everywhere. We became best friends was Dario Vidicic. Yeah. He was like, he could, he could, he could score on his left, his right. He could score headers. He could score free kicks. He could cool. take penalties. He could take set pieces. He could be. He could beat you in a sprint. He had yeah. everything, in mm. my opinion. Um, and he still played some super high height to the game. Um, but I always think he could have like really, really done some pretty special um, stuff. I thought yeah. he was that talented. Yeah. Yeah. Were you, did you have Gombel as your coach? Yeah. What was that like? Because he he had a pretty interesting like rise to his career. He, yeah. He was at La Masia, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, did he, he was trying to implement that a lot. He he's someone I I kind of like his philosophy um, was easier for me to get because of what I was coached at the AOS. It was like I was coached by a Dutch coach. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, obviously yeah. Lamarcia's foundation is from Johan Cruyff. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's a, obviously a Dutch background. So I kind of got it. But nonetheless, his, the way he implemented it was literally like ABC. It was like you were in, you started in kindergarten, went to primary school, high school, and then you started graduating. You could mm-hmm. like, it took so much time and it was so diligent and the work and his, um, his focus of how he did it was or like his way of doing it was just I learned so much about football from him, um, but it it took time, man. Like I, he, he he was on the ropes early because mm. we weren't getting results. Like in training, we knew we were we were fucking playing well, and even games we were controlling games, but we weren't winning. And everyone was calling for his head, and then I don't know when it clicked, but then it just clicked, and it was like it almost felt like you could beat anyone, or you knew we knew that we would have the ball for like 70 percent of the time. Yeah. Playing the way that we did. Would so. he like allow you stray away a little bit from that, or was it he was like a hard ass on that? Nah. So pretty much there was rules and movements in the defensive third and the middle third, and then kind of free reign in the front third. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. always high press. Yeah, like straight ten away. Sec- yeah, ten yeah. seconds, win it back. If yeah. you don't, then we'll sit. Yeah. Then we'll give yeah. you respect. Yeah, yeah. That was his thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice, man. It's it's nice hearing what coaches were like as well because you don't really you know we always interview the players. Mm. Yeah, but then you, sure. you play under a big coach. Well, he's a big coach. Especially how he yeah. brought up. Like, exactly. Know. Well, yeah. It's funny how we. Uh, funny how I met him. So my dad, after my first season in at Adelaide, I didn't play that much the first year. I went in, man. I hit the ground running under John Kosmina. And I thought I was going to play every week. Like he put me straight in the Asian Champions League squad and stuff. Um, and I was still 18 at the time. So I was like, and, and the team we had, like we just signed Kruska Geronimo. We still hadn't got rid of Serge Van Dyke. Zen and Caravella, like it was crazy good team. Like every day was like, but I was like flying in training. I remember that's how I remember. I yeah, remember but then and I played, yeah. I played the first three or four rounds, and I got osteitis pubis, so I missed like the middle chunk. What if, what the fuck is that? By yeah, the way, yeah, I got it too. Yeah, though. I missed the middle <laughs> chunk of the season, and then I came back a few games, but then Cosy got sacked, and when Michael Volcanis went in as coach, I started like every game, played full games, got my first goal in the A League, and. Started getting some runs on the board, and then the season finished. We we dropped it. We lost to Brisbane, I think, in the quarter f- or the semi final or something, and they ended up winning it that year with Mike Mulvey, I think it was. Mm. Um, but so I thought, like, I'm going to have a big year at Adelaide. But then they got rid of Mike Mulvey, and they got this guy Josip Gombau. And I was in, I was on holiday in Barcelona with my dad, and we went to the last. We could catch the last game of La Liga, and Barcelona were going to win. It was Eric Abidal's last game, and it was an absolute clinic, bro. Iniesta scored, Fabregas yeah. scored. It was beautiful to watch. But before the game, we're sitting in the nosebleeds because we got tickets late and I just saw the football director walking in front of us and he was over there um, getting Gombau to sign for Adelaide. Oh, wow. So I actually got to spend uh, a day with Gombau in Barcelona before he came. 
Um, and he was giving me big ups. He like already knew he'd watched the games already of me when I played. Um, and he took me to a Barca B game. He took me to um, a third division game where we watched. We, he went and he's like, he wanted me to help scout, but he, I think he was already going to sign him, Sergio Thirio. Oh, yeah. So oh, he was playing for some team um, and we went and watched him. We had a really good relationship at the start. Um, but yeah, we ended up we ended up having a pretty big fallout towards the end. So um, although that happened, like, man, playing for him, like I defy any football to not enjoy it. It was, it was like, such it's the most beautiful form of football you could play. It's so easy on the eyes. Too. Yeah, yeah. And, and as a player, like it's yeah, you're not doing dumb shit. Like you know what I mean. You're not you're, every training session's got purpose. It's all technical, mm. which is why you want to play. You know, exactly. you don't want to. I hate playing with the ball in the air. It's like you know <laughs> everything's that, yeah, so man. calculated with what you do. Yeah. So it was yeah. That's why we won a lot of games, and yeah. that's why Adelaide, in my opinion, uh, won the premiership. Because everything they did, even though under the other coach, I think Guilherme Amori's name is, oh, he's yeah, a Barca yeah. legend. Yeah, it was like he, they, he didn't change anything. Yeah. Well, they, they they almost had. Well, they still sort of. I don't know about these days, but they they gained that reputation of being a Diff- ball playing side. You know t- that tiki taka on yeah. the A League. You know what I mean? And they appointed coaches, like you said, when Gombiel left, they got someone in the same grain, so they, so they could just take legend, over. Yeah, yeah. 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 Barcelona. Like, have you seen that guy? I don't. I, oh, I can't pronounce his name, so I apologize. But have you seen his yeah, stats yeah, for Barcelona? Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, that's bro. He's the most credentialed football player to ever coach in the A League. I mm. think he's fucking insane. I'm gonna ask because you brought it up. Yeah, but what happened? What was the falling out? So pretty much, like I uh, to get like get a game in Gombau's team as a midfielder, as technical as you can be as a footballer. And my technical ability was probably my strength, right? Like naturally, uh, not naturally. I worked really hard at it, but like that was naturally where my game, like with the ball, was fine. Mm athleticism was always okay. But in the A-League against men, my body was still adjusting. I hadn't really, I hadn't even played like 30 games yet. So I'm still getting used to, yeah. like I'm talking 15 minutes in some games, you feel fucked. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if I can see this out. Do you know what I mean? That's how much running you do initially. Especially when you come off the bench, you do two sprints, you're like, oh, I can't run anymore. Yeah. It's like 20 minutes to go. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember what it was, but he gave me this challenge of like, because of the defensive press and particularly when your center backs and fullbacks have it, the volume of movement around the pitch, you never stop running. Like there's no relaxation. As much as it's beautiful to watch with the football, Often your movement is so high, even with the ball. Like if someone's got the ball there, you know where you need to be. So there's a lot of movement. And every time you get the ball, the ball's released quick. So, you know, it's high high volume kind of stuff. Um, but he gave me this challenge to get fitter because he just felt like my reaction time of defensive pressure and all this stuff wasn't there. Um, so I ended up hiring a, I won't go on a long winding story here, but I ended up hiring a, like a private fitness coach and training with him. And then somehow, bro, I don't know how this guy got wind that I was doing these private running sessions through the week. And at this point, at this point, by the way, I'm nursing a fucking stress fracture in my foot that I didn't know of, but I was in the last year of my contract and I was playing at this point, I was playing every game off the bench and making impact. I just couldn't get a start. Mm. So I was doing all I could, but this guy got wind that I was training with someone and um, yeah, he wrote an article saying like Adelaide run fit and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then that got Josip kind of pretty much put me into his office and yeah, without going into too much detail, suspended me for two games. Um, just be- purely like, I don't think he cared that I did what I did because he even admitted like Puyol and Javi had their own trainers and it's normal. But the situation of what happened, I made the club look vulnerable. Yeah. So they suspended me for two games. And then after that, I never got picked again. Yeah. It's almost he put the the club's image. Yeah, I put his image, his image yeah. ahead of yeah. one of he his. He was players. basically telling you to get fit, and you yeah. were doing it, and it's like yeah. now you're in the wrong. Yeah, but it was, yeah, it was weak you as look fuck, at it from bro. like a fucking political sort of. I wish I, I yeah. wish I had my like demeanor and maturity and yeah. head yeah. now because I I wouldn't have copped it. But at the time, like, what do you do? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I just remember feeling lost. Um, but yeah, that, that was how it, just from that handling of that situation, my, I just turned 20. Do you know what I mean? So my, in my mind, I felt like 20, I was an adult, but looking back now, no, bro, I'm still not even growing. I'm 30 now. You know yeah. what I mean? So like back then I, I sort of, wish I needed more of an arm around me rather than, you know, fucking castrate me away. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's a problem across the board, man. Not obviously correct. It's, and this is not me playing victim. It fucking happens yeah, a lot in football. And my situation, honestly, suspended for two games. No worries. There's a lot worse, bro. But you it's know? what happens after, right? Yeah. Well, it's just the relationships, you know. Exactly. Um, and look, and fundamentally, if I was good enough, I'd still be playing. And if my body was fine, I'd still be playing. 
So there was things that I did that probably, you know, weren't great. Like I had, um, like I, I did essentially my last, that last second half of the season, my foot was shot. So I couldn't play much either. Um, and because of that, I didn't get offered another contract. And that's where I was kind of running uphill. But in that moment, like just the way that was handled, that's why I've got a bit of a sour taste. Of course. I, th- I reckon he would I reckon he would now apologize for it too, sure. for sure. But I think in the moment it was heated, you know. Mm. Like his name and face on the back page of the paper every day. And this guy was yeah. writing articles. So I think it, yeah, it just put the club in a shit situation. Do you think that sort of incident affected like sort of your image going forward in terms of other clubs that mm. wanted to like nah because no one no one knew I bro no, the only people knew yeah. I got suspended for a, a year ago when I did my 100th podcast okay. or whatever and yeah. I spoke about my own story so and, it wasn't and said something that blew up nah, no no nah. one knew okay. no one knew everyone just yeah. thought I wasn't picked like injured yeah, sure. um, but yeah so that was that was the reason why but nah the, the, the thing that did affect me was that I didn't play the last half of the season so the good games I was having like an eight or nine games run that I was having that was good. It just wasn't in people's mind anymore. So I was getting offered trials, not contracts. And you were, you weren't having it. Nah, nah. But I, tr- I trialed. I went to Western Sydney. Oh, Fuck, man. This sounds like a sob story, doesn't it? Nah, nah. It's the reality. Nah, bro. It gets exactly. fucked, man. Because I have, I have, um, just man management, bro. And like, this yeah. is not me playing victim. This is yeah. just genuine no, 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 facts no. of what happened. But um, so I didn't. I didn't train for like three, four months to try to get my foot right. As soon as I knew, so when I stopped playing at Adelaide after the suspension stuff, I went to an Oli Roo tournament um, and came back and I was like, this, my foot's fucked. I can't do it. I had to tell the club. Um, then Josip came over to me and said, look, Jakey, like, I'm really sorry. This situation, I honestly handled, like, I couldn't think you could handle better, but he came over to me. It was like March. Season finished probably May. So he gave me ample enough time. Mm-hmm. He's just like, hey, uh, look, I'm thinking about maybe re-signing you on like, the bare minimum money, but um, we've got an opportunity to um, sign James. Like he was almost saying, like I want to give you a chance because mm. I like you know I see you got talent, but you haven't had much luck this year. But he's like, we can get James Jago, um, so we're going to take him. So I'm going to tell you now, so you can try get another club. So as soon as he told me that, that's when I was like, well, I'm, t- I'm just taking care of my foot. I'm not going to bust my balls for this guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't play the rest of the year, which again probably ego got in the way. Maybe I didn't need to do that, but I couldn't run anyway, mm. mind you. Um, so I didn't play for like from January to June or May a game. And I just remember thinking like, what am I going to do? I'm not getting a contract offer. I got rid of my old agent because when that, when we were trying to get other clubs, um, I, look, I'm sure he was trying and the, I didn't really help him because I didn't, hadn't had too many, even though when I did play, I played really well. I didn't have like recent form for him to work with, but it was the day he told me to go call another A-League, uh, one of my old A-League, uh, Mike Mulvey, and see if I could get a contract. That's when my dad said that we're getting rid yeah, of him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, then I, I ended up calling this guy, Andy Burnell. And shout out Andy because last time I spoke about him, he ended up calling me and, like, thanking me for what he said because I don't think he realised his impact. But Andy Burnell used to um, play for Reading. He played for the Socceroos and he could speak. He played in La Liga so he could speak Spanish. But through his English and Spanish connections, he ended up being David Beckham's translator in Madrid. Oh. So he's Beckham's right-hand man, but he was a football agent as well. So he was based in Canberra and Ryan Edwards and Tom Rogic were his players at the time, mm-hmm. or like two players that are sort of in my age bracket. I think he had, may have had more, but Tom Rogic was his big one. Um, and I just called him up and said like, hey man, this is my situation. I've heard about you. Like, um, like you know, I want to see if we can work together. And he just asked me, where am I at with my body? I said, I'm probably like two weeks away. He goes, I want you to come train with me in Canberra for like three weeks. You're going to come live here, live with me. And you're going to, because he had a boxing gym. I'm going to get you super fit and we'll, we'll figure it all out. So I did. I went there. Bro, five days in, Western Sydney call him. Tony Popovich says, like, we have him on trial. I was like, fuck, bitch. I've, like, I'm fucked yet. Yeah, like, I've, I'm fucked doing this shit. How am I going to go train an A-League team? You know, it's been like six months. And um, he kind of told Popper that. And Popper said something along the lines of, like, well, if he wants to be here, he'll be here. So paid my own way there. Luckily, my old Adelaide teammate, Daniel Mullen, had a spare room. Stayed with him. And... Bro, I trained really well. I thought I was on the cusp of a contract. My old AIS goalkeeping coach, he said, mate, you just play well in the game, you'll get one. Because I had like some good training sessions. I shocked myself. Um, but then the game came. We played like a – I had to go back to Canberra with the team. We played a Canberra team and I just fuck, I couldn't get near it, bro. I remember feeling like, you know, we haven't played for a while. Yeah. And even yeah. though like you to try and pass there, it'll come off your shin and go a little bit right. Like that stuff was happening. I just yeah. had a stinker. Yeah. Um, and the thing that fucked, this is where my mind started to go, but Popper didn't even tell me like I wasn't good enough. 
just the silent treatment. So I just ended up figuring out that I wasn't going back. Mm. So that 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 was probably one of the hardest moments of my career because it's yeah. like I didn't ever, I didn't even. You don't have that. Closure. I didn't even warrant the yeah, yeah. like I paid my own way, trained well, just yeah. one shit game. I didn't even yeah. warrant his time to just verbally give me words to yeah. say you're not coming back. Yeah. So that that type of stuff that fucked me. In hindsight, that shit shouldn't phase you, but it does, bro. When you're twenty, does, man. of course it does. Yeah. So so then after that, was that sort of. That's when I went overseas. Is that when you went overseas? Yeah, because I was like, fuck, there's 10 teams in the A-League. The stats at the time was like there's 20 players under the age of 20 in the league. So it's a pretty of a privilege to be in that. Mm. So it's pretty hard to get a gig. Like you're only working off when there's actual availability on rosters. Yeah, yeah. So my chances of getting in after what was going on was probably slim. Mm. So I had an English passport and that's when I went overseas. And how was that? Where did you go? Um... Uh, Reading, Blackburn Rovers, Oldham, and Hibernian. So Reading, Reading was more a favour for Birch, I think, in hindsight. But for me, it was beautiful because it's like two, three weeks training with the reserves, the odd training with the senior team, even the under 18s I would go train with. Like, it was just training with English football, getting used to it. Um, I remember I did a training session with like Royston Drenthe, like Anton Ferdinand. There was heaps Jeez. of good players there. Um, and I did, I did quite well, bro, I felt, but like, over there, and this is a catalyst for Blackburn as well. Like, if you're not fucking exactly. 10 times better than yeah, some of these kids, exactly. why are they going to invest in you? There's why is investing in a kid from Melbourne when they can yeah, invest in local one, product? Yeah, They've exactly, been training exactly. training for And also, man, like, I may be one in a million in Australia in my age group or whatever, but you go over there, there's fucking 40 Jakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, around the corner from yeah, each other. Yeah. So, because it's the number one sport. Yeah. Um. So, I just got, I didn't do bad, but I didn't get picked up. Oldham Athletic was like, fuck. Um, I had a practice game. I trained there for two weeks. Lee Johnson was the coach. He was the youngest coach in British football at the time. Um, I thought I was going to sign. He said to me, he's like, we're going to sign you. Um, and then he brought me into his office. And I thought we're going in to chat about it. He's like, he, I could see his face drop. He's like, man, I'm gutted. Like, I'm really sorry. Like, he goes, you can train with us if you want, but I don't want to hold you back. But well, it's come up. We can get this player from Aston Villa on loan in your position. And like, we've got to take him. Fucking the guy scored eight goals in like eight games after it as well. Um, so that one fucked, that one hurt a little bit, but then I went to Hibernian and that's when I really fucked my knee, um, like a week in, which was a great experience still, but like, I felt like I could have got in there, but my body just kind of gave up on me. And that's at this point I hadn't played for like, you know, it felt like 18 months or something. So I was like, I just want to come back home and play in the NPL yeah. and just try reconnect with the game and yeah. remember why it was fun. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Cause for it felt like for two, three years in the A-League and beyond, like from Gold Coast to Roller Coaster, three coaches um, in two years at Adelaide. And like it sounds like a lot of excuses, but it was just a lot to take in from from when you talk about hitting every single team and having this perfect career going in. Mm. Just dealing with like the business of football and the setbacks, um, it just ended up getting too much for me. And then my actual body was just not never the same. And it's crazy yeah, listening to this because say, it relates so much to this, man. Yeah, Different. well, that, that's why, you know what? Like, I never like talking about it because I'm like, yeah. fuck, man, stop sucking. Who gives a shit, no, you know? But, no, like, no, nah, bro, when I put it out there, it was I was amazed by how many messages I got because it is, bro. Like, if there's 1% of people, Definitely. 1% of footballers make it. There's 99% with the, our stories or whatever, you know? Exactly. So people relate to it. So I was quite happy in the end that I actually spoke as open as I did about it. And even now, like, people will hear it and they'll be like, they'll get it. Do you know what Definitely. I mean? You should. Uh, you know, we, that's. That's Honestly, what we try and do as well. Like, exactly. We didn't obviously, you know, we didn't play in the A-League and that, whatever, but we were playing overseas for a bit and stuff. And it's like, you, like you said, man, it's like it gets to a point you you love and breathe this game and then you're like, you don't even, like you fall out of love, man. And mm. you're like, what's my life now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's why I was like, I sort of wanted to ask you, like, obviously your whole life would be in football. And then when you realize like, man, I don't know, I don't think it's, you know, going to happen anymore. Where do you go from there, man? Like mentally, oh, how were you? Like, because I know we we struggled a lot, man. That first man, we year, were, like, like, we were a mess. Oh, yeah, 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 I didn't yeah, know yeah. what to do with myself. I didn't yeah. know anything else. I didn't care yeah. about school, nothing, just football. Yeah. So I was oh, like, fuck. fuck. I don't, I'd say it's, I don't know. I kind of have to break it back through the years, but pretty pretty much like I went back to South. We won a championship. I hated it. I didn't really play as you know as well as I could have there, but I just didn't like. Fuck, I fucking hate the NPL. It sucks yeah, in yeah, my yeah, opinion. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what, what's the point of being the best player in the NPL and winning it if you don't? Yeah. Like, you can't go anywhere. Do you know what I mean? Um, was my thing. But, and also, probably my ego. I didn't like coming back down. 
You know, it's hard to accept. All that shit. Exposed to the yeah. top level. Oh, bro, I, was, I was playing against Avondale and I was taking man. a corner and there's a kid on the swing almost kicking me in the head. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Um, yeah. But mind you, I'd say like with the NPL, fucking some great, some of the best friendships I've ever had come mm, from it. Yeah. So you know, for that reason, but from a football perspective to drop down at a young age and try to go back up, I didn't have the motivation to do that. Um, and then my hip, like my reoccurring injuries from Adelaide just kind of kept coming. And then that's when I, I kind of, kind of like sort of made peace with the decision. I don't want to do football, but in a sense of like, there was a lot of emotion attached to it. Cause at this point, a lot of the players that I'd played with and, you know, in some people's eyes, I'd probably be better than at certain points of, you know, our junior youth career and even early A-league career was starting to play for the Socceroos and stuff. So when that started happening, yeah. as happy as I was yeah, from, I just, yeah, I couldn't, I, I didn't watch football for like three, four years or something. Yeah. Can't remember yeah. how long it was. Like I was getting phone calls to come to this or that. And I just like, wouldn't, would never go, but wouldn't even watch it on TV. Mm. And then I don't know what, I think it was like, honestly, man, starting the podcast again. Yeah. Uh, do start starting the podcast. Maybe just like, there was a healing process speaking at like every athlete. Definitely. Bro, the one, one, every, every athlete has one thing in common. It's retirement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you know what I mean? Whether I went through it at 20 or 35, even though I would have liked to have more millions in the bank and stuff, yeah. at the end of the day, you still go through the exact same thing that Harry Kuehl will go through yeah. and he's got millions in the bank. Is yeah. that the identity crisis exactly. of who the fuck are you again? Exactly. It's probably harder in, in someone like yourself because Harry Kuehl's well, got the fucking millions in the bank. That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I you thought. I mean? And then Johnny McCain told me, nah, he's going through the exact same emotions. And don't get me wrong. I think, yeah, but you tick the boxes so yeah, I still yeah, think yeah. that but he still like he came from a view like bro it's it's just as hard for what he thought it was for me mm. um, as it is for him but he said why it's better for me he goes you're younger yeah. you're like mm. I've got to fucking work it t- out I've got, a, I've got kids in a yeah, marriage yeah, yeah. I've got to make a decision yeah. now yeah. you can you can rejig your whole life yeah, do you know I mean I wish I got that advice at 21 I got well, it like 26 thing, but yeah. it still was great advice you know so there is like, depends on how you look at things, you know. What it was for me, it was, you know, we got back from Europe. Nothing was happening. And I knew I wasn't going back. But when people would ask, I'd say, yeah, I'm looking for clubs. <laughs> yeah. Number one, I hated football when I got back. Yeah. Right? Didn't want to see a football, anything to do with football yeah. anymore. But it was that being able to say, like, to yourself, mm. it's over. Yeah. Like, Give it up, man. Yeah, you know it's hard, mean? bro. It's so hard, man. Do you know what it is? It's like, because sometimes like people say, maybe you're not good enough for this or that. It's just the way football can reject you. Mm. It can it can bring you up and love you. And the way it can spit you out violently yeah. is is what's really hard to take um, because it's given you so much happiness, but it's given you, you know, all your pain as well. Exactly right. So dealing with that when you're not, you know, you don't have the most emotional intelligence as a young guy yeah. or you don't necessarily have other interests or you know, skill sets that you're aware of at the time, it's a very dangerous part of your life to navigate through. And that's where there's a lot of problems with um, not just soccer, you know, all sports, when they come out, those initial few years, the decisions they can make are, are, are yeah. quite, you know, can be catastrophic to well, some people's I lives. I just think it's 100% I agree. But I think, you know, there's got to be something there for these for people like, you know, us that have, you know, have been spat out hmm. because I would have loved – someone to just talk to that have well, maybe so, been similar in a similar uh, situation. Right. Yeah. And maybe, like, we should start, no... maybe we should start a fucking service, bro. <laughs> well, man, honestly. Like, I'm a look, capitalist though, bro. I'll be charging people. And that's, that's, that, goes against the, that goes against the humane aspect. Oh, this, more <laughs> or less, it's what, nah, it's what we're doing bro, now. Do you know what I mean? It'd be a lucrative bit, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess this, listening to this stuff, that's what I yeah. was saying before. The messages I was getting, like it did, yeah. pushing out this message that you're doing, it will help people. Because yeah. I think like you look at it now, we can talk about it, but at the time, yeah. our intelligence is not thinking that way. Mm. We're just like, man, my life's over. Like, yeah. well, what the fuck am I going to do Probably now? Really, we're 19. You know, but you're like, you got your whole life. <laughs> yeah, really. that's, that's, man, that's life though. And that's the so, athlete in you. You want to yeah. sprint to the finish, you know? Yeah. You don't realize. That's why you just got to, man, everyone, everyone goes through it in their own ways. You just got to let, you got to live, Definitely. go your path, you know, that's and it. you figure it out. But I think one thing that maybe our generation lack, which is getting into sport now, is working with like sports psychologists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that um, for me, and I fucking, mate, I emphasize, I can't emphasize this anymore, understanding how your brain works. Oh, um, huge. Like, we didn't know that coming through our generation. I reckon the generation now coming through is a bit different. We just tried to be the best footballer. Yeah. And like, if you didn't play well, fucking be upset. If you fucking, you know, see a tackle, win the ball, fucking all this shit. 
but no one understood the psychology of how to, you know, work with the ebbs and flows of the game and the business. Um, and I think a lot of athletes now are, are getting a bit more of that, particularly in the AFL. I know it's very common. I don't yeah. know what it's like in other sports. But I th- I personally think if I had that in my junior day, my, my career could have been different. So that's something is I'd never – like I went to the AIS, bro. I'll say it wasn't there. It was there. But if anyone went there, we thought they were weak. Yeah. Exactly. It's Do you know stig- what I mean? It's a stigma around that. I mean, we're kids, yeah. but if you went to that, like this guy's – you know yeah, what I mean? What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so – but that, that I wish I had done – looked more into – well, we interviewed a, an AFL player, ex-AFL player, the last two weeks ago, and just listening to him, I was a bit blown away by the support that was available, like the resources you get mm. through that system. Yeah, and I, like like you said, like I, I would have. Bro, loved you know how insane it is that. now. I mean, they they've got some clubs, and I know this for a fact. Some clubs, the sports like sit on the bench, so if a player is like you know running hot and wide-eyed and turns the ball over two times in three minutes, playing in front of 60,000, 70,000 people at the MCG, and they come off with like yeah. fucking panic yeah, attack. Yeah, yeah. As they're doing their little walk, the sports cycle walk with them yeah. and yeah. just fucking bring them back, man. Yeah, just yeah. bring them back, like relax, you know, all that sort of shit. Imagine that, bro. So crazy. Like how bro. good is yeah. that? Because yeah. that's, that's sometimes, you know, that's all you need is the voice just to calm down, settle down because exactly. you can do it. Exactly. Right. So... I'm gonna I'm gonna have to ask this because we're yeah, we're big Del Piero fans. Of that as well, oh, Alejandro. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm not a Juve fan, he but might still be in here, mate. His name, his name, aren't you named after? Yeah, that's what my mum said. But <laughs> no. Um, what was that like, bro? 06, 2006 World Cup. I was in the Vic Under 13 team. As a team, we watched the semi final when he scored that fucking top bin oh, goal yeah, against Germany. Yeah. So like. He's a living legend, right? Yeah. When it came to the A League, I was just so excited because I was like, "Wow!" What What I was shocked when he first came is how good he was still. Yeah, like because I think he was was he thirty eight, thirty nine? Yeah, I think he was, and he looked 40. like he was carrying a bit of weight, yeah. bro. Yeah. But his feet yeah. were so magic. Like honestly, people can say, "Yeah, he was older though," but I was like, "But I'm telling, it's still yeah. fucking Del Piero, bro." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, thirty eight Del Piero is better than twenty five year old <laughs> fucking you know, yeah, yeah, John yeah. Smith down the road, yeah, bro. Exactly I'm telling well. you, yeah. but um. It was more the, the, it was, yeah, it was a big moment. But like, to be honest, when you're playing in nah, it, yeah, you don't, you don't think, think that way. No, nah, yeah, not at all. It's now looking back on it and the the whole theatrics of how I even ended up playing that game and being put on him was like, it's kind of a story in itself. I'd probably sell it like a little bit. But at the end of the day, I played like eight games off the bench. Um, I was doing well, but this is when Gombao's like, you got to get fit. Karuska got injured midweek and Gombao's like, you're going to, you're going to, you're playing this week. But he's like, you're going to have to take the big man, you know? And I was like, fine, take the big man, bro. I was like, yeah, okay. I was like, fine. So my job was like, I was still ball playing, but it was more just like minimize space as soon as he gets it. Mm. And like, bro, I would I would come in and this is when you go to the top level, man. Players that, you know, say soft or what, he's so smart. If I come in a bit too quick and didn't hit the brakes and like, I'm talking just touch him. Mm. Like yeah. touch, he'll drop. Yeah. Touch. Drop free kick because Del Piero. Yeah. So like you have to like you're almost he's manipulating the game. Like you can't hit him hard because he knows how to work the system. He knows how to make it look like a foul. He knows how to roll you when you're giving him pressure on the wrong mm. part of the body. Yeah. So there was a lot of education in that. But fuck, I had a good game, and I ended up taking a penalty That's and really scoring. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there was just a special, special experience. I speak spoke about it heaps of times, but just the. That's a big. It was the biggest game in Adelaide that season because a big Italian population, mm. um, and all these Juventus fans turned up as well. So it was just yeah, very special. Um, something that I'm glad I was able to do, um, given my sort of career was short. That I could you know say that I shared a pitch with him. Did you get to have a moment at all? Or um, yeah, I remember on the pitch. Uh, not a moment. Not a moment that people class a moment to me. But I just like <laughs> imagine Alessandro Del Piero looking you in your eyes like. The fuck's this kid? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had yeah, that yeah. moment, an and I don't know if it was like this guy's a piece of shit or like <laughs> he's not bad. You know, yeah, I don't yeah. know what it was, but like yeah. just having that thing, it was almost like fuck. That's that's pretty cool. Like I never thought I'd yeah, be sure. one man marking it, but like having an intimate fucking eye contact. He's such a legend, man. Did you go after his shirt or? Uh, nah, I did. No, you know what? It wasn't bro. A league budgets, bro. They didn't. They didn't let you. No, nah, he would You're swap. He would. Nah, he would swap his tops. But naturally in the A-League at the time, you weren't – like our team at Adelaide, we had like four four kids each, you know. Jeez. They could they could get more, but it's fucking funding. It like and there's not much money in it, bro. I'm telling Jeez, you. They're, fucking, yeah, they're, they're selling it well. 
Yeah, in saying that though, um, like, so we weren't, so I never thought of it because of that, but I think Awa Mabil got it in the change rooms uh, okay. after. Yeah, because there was a photo of him with it, and I think Del Piero. They Sydney knew they've got to get a lot of Del Piero tops because yeah, everyone's going to yeah, want it every week. Yeah, but at the time, man, I was just too yeah, was... too worried. And he come off the field as well. He went he went on the bench oh, in like okay, the yeah. 80th minute oh, or something. Okay. So I didn't even think about it. Yeah, he's an absolute gentleman. I've yeah. had the pleasure of uh, meeting uh, him. Appara- yeah, apparently the boys. Right. Um, so Ryan Grant. I'm pretty sure this is true, Buster. Don't hate me, but when he turned up to Sydney, I, I'm not going to say watches. But I'm pretty sure he turned up with his own book and gave everyone a book, and it was about him. And it was and it was about him. And like, can you imagine a guy? He's that good that in his mind he doesn't understand that that probably looks like the most arrogant move ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because it's him and the way he does it, it's like this guy's. A, Thank you, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. Which I'll, I'll look into it. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. he's so like he, he kind of gives off a vibe he wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah. Nah. Like he's no, very. No. He's got a, like a gentle soul, but he's on a football field. He's a killer. I've told this story, I think, maybe before on the old podcast. But I went to that book launch thing that you're talking about and he had like a a dinner, right? You had to buy a ticket to it, very expensive. Obviously, he was a a legend for me growing up, so I went. And um, the MC is like, all right, if everyone stays in their seat, Alessandro will come around to every single one of you and take a photo, sign, whatever it is. As soon as he left his area, everyone just got up and ran over, right? And I had just gotten into the VIP. I snuck in and I was calling out to him and my mum was with me. She's like calling out to him in Italian saying, oh, I've named my kid after you, you know, so obviously I wasn't, but it was just whatever to get his attention. And he said, don't worry, I'll be back. Like, I'll come back for you. And I thought, yeah, all right, man, no worries. He went through the whole room, didn't stop for anyone, came back and took a photo with me. Yeah, it's special. And it's something like that, that. It just Stacey, blew it? my mind, man. I'll never forget yeah. it. Never forget it. This guy's like a legend, man. He didn't right, have to that's do a, it. Yeah. Everyone speaks about him like in, in a great light, particularly the Sydney boys. Yeah. They speak yeah. about him like he's a great guy, like yeah. a great import player. And and people forget the league was paying his salary. Mm. Like he was he was on, you know, the, uh, wasn't on the most money he's ever been on. No, but, but still. His funding was outside the salary cap. Mm. He was brought here to market the league and I think he – at that time, like I think the A League was at its best. Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could take myself out of that equation, but like boys, and I don't mind you. I haven't played in. I think the Sydney year when they were dominating, they were probably as good as team as any team's been in the A League. Mm. But the quality of imports and the quality of domestic players through that twenty ten to twenty fifteen was was yeah, a special was time good. in the A League. Let's have a, a quick chat about the podcast, your yeah. podcast, the yeah. Unlaced podcast. If you haven't already, please. What are you doing? Yeah. Check it out. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> how, how was that? How was that born? How did that come about? Uh, I can't. I don't know, bro. Um, it sounds crazy to say I don't know. But I think I think I just felt like, like I got a big network. I know a lot of football players. Mm. I was like, it's a pretty good story to tell the athlete transition aspect. Mm. Like I did a lot of research around the mental health of athletes, um, like the amount of players that go to drugs and in jail from like professional sport, particularly soccer, is crazy. Um, And like people that never recover from not being a footballer again, that sort of stuff. So I thought like what a great thing to talk about. But as much as I'm passionate on athlete transition, there's only so much lifespan that that can have. So we started on it and I just started getting some good, um, good, good sort of people on. And then maybe like just my personality or the way we wanted the show to go, like we always interview, but we interview with like a lighthearted, and naturally, like, you know, I love having fun and being jovial and stuff. So that start just came out and then it just kind of wishy-washy came into everything, you know. Um, you know, hopefully now it's seen as a, a place that people want to come to, the one they feel safe to be able to share stuff that they don't want to speak to media about. But also, like, you know, we're, we're just here. Like, I'm asking them, like, instead of talking about hey, one of the biggest scrutinies of the year, I'm like, what, did you have a breakfast today, you know? Yeah, yeah. Shit like that. So it's like, you know, they feel comfortable and safe. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know, man. I've been fortunate. I think having great guests has helped me grow. Um, and then naturally, like from the age of 15, I've always been doing media. Right. So um, with soccer. So like speaking in front of a camera yeah. and stuff like that is not foreign to me. It was more just getting a skill set of like the flow of a podcast, you know, how to how to know when a moment's there that you want to keep digging on, how to know when to pull back on something, you know, all these types of things. And also understanding what 
not what I want to know, what the listener wants to know. Mm. Um, and yeah, bro, it's fucking, you guys will know it's a lot of work, man. Yeah, I tell people, people hit me up all the time about when I start a podcast. I'm like, bro, I'll give you 20 episodes and you'll be done. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Good <laughs> luck. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, because it is, it's a, it's a borderline a full-time job. Yeah. And if you don't have, you know, a Braden, yeah. then how are you going to do it? Imagine, how, you know, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. as important as what we do is like, you can't, you can't function without a back end yeah, operation. Right. So, exactly. which we, we both experience in our start. So man, I really enjoy it. I find it fun. It doesn't feel like work to me. So no, definitely. So what's, what's next for Jake? Do you have any future plans with it or anything else you're working on? Um, well, potentially a, a soccer podcast I want to do. Um, we're just figuring out who will be on it on a more regular basis and, one, my time management, you know, I've got to figure that out too. That's that's yeah. one of the reasons. But I, I think if I did it, I think it would do really well because um, obviously played football at a high level and, and know the game quite well and I watch a lot of football still. Mm. And in Australia, there's not too many. Um, good ones at least. Yeah, good ones yeah. that are doing like, you know, speaking about what happened last week or yesterday in the Premier League, Klopp leaving, this and that, opinions based of an Australian point of view. Mm. Um, so I think there's a bit of a market for that. So that's probably the – the only short-term thing. And then the podcast, honestly, I try not look too far ahead of it mm. because it's as cliche as it is, the next episode is most important. Yeah. Um, and you put a lot of effort into getting a guest in any episode. And then as soon as you finish that, you know, Braden will ne- let you know, yeah, the full episode's there and here's some marketing clips and stuff. And then you go, fuck, now I've got to let people know I actually did that. Yeah. And fucking make, try and, so it's a lot of, you know, churn and burn. It's repetitive. Mm. Um, like we fucked, we burnt out towards the end of last year. Um, so I needed a break, but yeah, very excited for what's to come. And, and actually, sorry, but I'm, uh, yeah, I'm trying to do more than just sport this okay. year. Everything. So different little, different Man, we had, news, we yeah. had a film director on oh, cool. the other day. We've got comedian, uh, coming on soon. Yeah. Uh, just very, very different stuff. Hopefully. Right, okay. We wish you all the best with that. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. It has been an absolute pleasure, my friend. I uh, appreciate it, man. Hopefully that was good. Yeah, well, <laughs> got, it got serious and sad at one point, but no, it was fun, man. No, no, I really you. enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on, and uh, it's great to see what you guys are doing. Thank you. I like, I love the logo. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Yeah, I wish I said designed it myself. But <laughs> um, if you haven't already, please check out the Unlaced podcast on Instagram, Spotify, yep, everywhere else, yeah, everywhere, YouTube, TikTok, well, wherever, you know man. Yep. Thank you once again for joining us uh, this episode of the Almost Made It podcast. Now I'll give you my spiel. Make sure you follow us on uh, Spotify, yeah. YouTube, and everywhere else. Yeah, what you are get you doing, it. man? Why aren't you following? Yeah, what are you, you doing? I mean? What are you doing? How do you watch a full episode and not be following, bro? <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Listen to Jake. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you soon. See you next week.